When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden Podcast. We are here with you. My name is Gabrielle Hakoan. I'm here with my BFF, Sadie Carpenter. How are you doing? I am doing great, living my best life. That's marvelous to hear. How's Chuck? How's Jonathan? Uh, they are both, they're both doing great. Jonathan's had some good shows recently. Uh, Chuck has now learned her the location of her eyes in addition to nose. Did, like she knows the words for them yes. or she's just yes. oh. um so we're recording after her bedtime at this particular recording session and about 10 minutes ago she marched right up to me poked me in the eyeball and said i i i <laughs> <laughs> and i said I yes I darling has don't she poke. learned that you don't poke people there <laughs> no <laughs> she's so proud of herself for learning the word i that she gets excited and pokes you in the eye when she tells you where your eyes are. Oh, man. But it's adorable. Her brain is growing so fast. You know what? I'll just make sure next time I hang out with her, I'm wearing sunglasses. That would probably be a great idea. So transitioning from this extremely uplifting, very short conversation we're having here to an extremely traumatic, long conversation oh, yes. that we're going to have. Sadie, do you want to introduce our episode topic for today? 
Yeah, so today we are going to be talking about one particular uh, Christian boarding school for quote-unquote troubled teenagers within the troubled teen industry. I mentioned in a recent episode, I think, that I was always peripherally aware that if I messed up too bad, this is the kind of place where I would get sent. It was just a, a thing that everybody knew about growing up. There are lots of less known IFB boys' homes or girls' homes. That's what they're generally referred to as. But there are several that just about everyone is aware of. Agape, Hepzibah House, and the RU home were some of the ones that everyone knew. And those words were spoken like a curse between young IFB kids that I knew. Yeah. So the school we are talking about today is the Agape Boarding School, which has been in the news quite a lot lately because the dean of the school is currently charged with kidnapping a child mm-hmm. or an emancipate kidnapping an emancipated minor in order to transport him to the school. Uh, kidnapping, as I understand it, is a common way in which children are transported to this school. Uh, but we're going to be talking all about this school today and uh, the horrible abuses uh, that seem to take place there. Yes. And the fight to get the school shut down and our updates on what is going on with that. Oh, absolutely. But before we get into that, I just need to say that the Leaving Eden podcast is the podcast about my BFF and co-host Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the independent fundamental Baptist cult, the cult in which she was raised. So we talk about this cult. We talk about other cults. We talk about religion. We talk about fundamentalism. We talk about the real and present threat that cults and cult ideologies pose to society as a whole. And it is our goal to promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, and freedom of religion. So if you like our show, if you are a fan of this program, then there's a couple of things that you can do. Number one, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast where you will get access to extended and uncensored and ad-free versions of most of our episodes, um, as well as other things that Sadie has written, including what a real cult survivor thinks of The Handmaid's Tale. Fascinating read. I am already planning out my update for season five. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm excited to read it. I'm excited to hear it uh, because your insights are always so insightful. Oh, thank you. Well, by definition, they are insightful because they are insights. Uh, <laughs> so they could be ba- good. They could be bad. No, they're I just good. want my insightful uh, insights to incite something in people that makes them want to learn more. Oh, I like what you did there. Homonyms. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, there's there's a Veggie Tale song about homonyms where the cruise comes cru- where the crew comes cruising down the plane. <laughs> um, and now the Veggie Tale song is in my head. <laughs> I was thinking of the the homonym game from How I Met Your Mother, uh, the or was that in Thirty Rock? I can't remember what that was. There, there was a remember. TV show. There was a, there was a, a video. There was like a game show called Homonym. Um, anyway, the, the, the other things that you can do, you can join our Facebook group, which is Facebook.com/slash groups/slash Eden Exodus, which is a great place to hang out with other Leaving Eden podcast listeners, other Leaving Eden podcast fans, share your stories, share memes, share just 
fun, insightful articles that maybe you've read about the subject of cults or the subject of fundamentalism or religion in general. We have some great discussions in that place, in that Facebook group. It's fantastic. It's a lot of fun. You can also join our subreddit, which is also fun. Other place you can hang out and talk with fans is reddit.com slash r slash Eden Exodus. And is there anything else that I need to say before we get to thanking our Faith Promise Missions and I Gave It All to your patrons? Not that comes to mind. Well, then let me get right to it and thank our I Gave It All to your patrons. There's two of you, same two as last week and the week before and the week before that. But it is Melissa Mosley and Kathleen Moncrief, two fantastic people. Thank you so much to Melissa and Kathleen. Yeah, really, like, you know, as as much as we do like to joke about stuff, really, the, the patrons are the people that make it possible for us to make this show. Otherwise, we really would not be able to justify putting the time that we that we that we put into doing this show. Um, and especially, I want to thank our Faith Promise Missions to your patrons as well. Alex Todd, Allison MacArthur. Is Allison MacArthur new? Uh, maybe. Like a new one. Yeah, I, I don't think I've read that one before. Okay, Allison MacArthur, thank you so much for joining the Faith Promise Missions here. We love you. Thank you so much. Anisha Patel, Brittany, Brooke Tully, Carrie R, Chrissa. It could be Chrissa. If you're, it if you're, could be. It could be. Uh, uh, Chrissa hasn't told us yet. Uh, Crystal Patterson, Dear Ethan Hansen, the musical. Every time I read that, I think it's funny. Eleanor Donahue, Elizabeth DeWorth, Emery Fairlosser, my actual BFF Meg, Hannah Ross, Hope Norum, Jen Karski, Kuharski, Kuharski, not Karski, Kuharski, Jessica Tambo, Jonna Kat Hedberg, Katerwee, Catherine Schneider, Kristen Marie, Linda Morgan, Lindsay Goss, Lorena Watson, Michaela, the yoga pants wearing Subaru driver. Well, hell yeah. We love a good Subaru driver. Sadie and I used to work at a Subaru dealership. So we have a, a fondness for uh, for that brand of automobile. Madeline Antrim, Madeline Cusick, Mary Martin, Megan Arendt, Mike Smith, Miranda Day, Rebecca Hoyt, Rob the Methodist, Sarah Reese, Shane Horton, Stephanie Johnson, Susie, Tara McNamara. I'm still going to go with McNamara because that's what Sadie said. Tara, if I'm saying it wrong, please tell me. But Tara McNamara, the lady rabbi, Tiffany Enderby, Walnut, son of Walnut, and Wes the Cowboy. Thank you all so much. Thank you so much to all of our Faith Promise Missions patrons and to all of our wonderful patrons over on Patreon. And all of our listeners. And to all of our listeners, those who support the show, who stick with us and download episodes and share with friends and post in Facebook groups and all of that. Yeah, the Leaving Eden podcast is brought to you by viewers like you. <laughs> by <Thank> listeners you. <laughs> like you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, all right. All right. So, are we just delaying getting into the trauma at this point? <laughs> yeah, that's basically what I've been doing. I've been trying to, to like be positive and be fun for the first part of this episode, but like it's going to get dark, people. Sadie, hit us with that TW because it's going to get nasty up in here. Well, let's do it. So in general, we talk about a lot of potentially triggering topics on this show including but not limited to 
suicide and mental health, racism, misogyny, PTSD, PTSD symptoms, child abuse, mental, physical, and sexual abuse, and spiritual abuse, including guilt, shame, manipulation, and fear. In most episodes, we are going to mention at least a few of these topics. What we do try to avoid is giving any graphic detail unless it's relevant to the story that we're telling. And we do our best to give our audience a heads up before we go into detail on any of those topics or anything else that we imagine might be triggering to someone. This episode will talk about all types of child abuse extensively. As always, we will do our very best to pick and choose only the details you really need to hear to get the full picture. We don't want to glorify violence. We don't want to glorify suffering. And we don't want to give extra details just for shock value when there's a potential that that could re-traumatize or hurt someone. This is a blanket warning, however, for the whole episode. We will not be able to CW before every time we mention child abuse because it is pretty much the whole episode, unfortunately. But we'll do our best. We, we do our best to be respectful of the people who did suffer this and the people that it could trigger. And we promise always to do our best. <laughs> that's all we can do. We just don't want to make exploitation content. So that's really the... Right. What we want to make is giving is using our platform to amplify these victims' voices. And as uh, we've been preparing this episode, we've worked as much from direct testimony from victims as we could. Yeah. Um, so before maybe we start, I maybe want to give a thank you to a couple of the places where we heard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so one, I know he's he's been on this show before, but he's a guy who does a lot, a lot, a lot of work into documenting this sort of abuse is Eric Skwarzynski from Preacher Boys podcast. He has a ton of episodes about uh, where, where he interviews survivors from the uh, agape boarding school. Sadie also, you know, Sadie also uh, trawled through the internet to find a lot of other uh, uh, testimonies or, mm-hmm. or uh, experiences from people. From so, survivors who wanted to make their experiences a matter of public record. Yeah. So that's, um, that was, that was my criteria when I was looking for uh, experiences to include in this podcast. This this episode is really personally interesting to me because I have visited and stayed on the campus at Agape Boarding School. I was uh, around seven or eight, seven to nine years old, maybe. My dad was invited to speak there as a guest preacher. And we went and we stayed at least one night on campus. I think we stayed maybe two nights. It's a little hazy, but we got to tour a lot of the facility and spent some significant time there. Later on, uh, I knew boys from my church who were taken on a visit to Agape as like a scared straight kind of trip from their parents just to really make the threat sink in of what they would be facing if they didn't straighten up at home. So I'm curious, what was the general vibe you got from going there? Hmm. Uh, in a word, creepy. Ugh. It was very sterile. They there are a lot when I when I visited and this would have been um something like 20 years ago. But at the time I visited, there were a lot of decorations and window dressing to make it appear home like. These sofas with patterned pillows and curtains on the windows in the common areas and that sort of thing. But in my opinion, those things did a very poor job of making it look less 
sterile or jail-like. For background information, I visited jail a good bit as a child with my dad. Our church didn't have an established prison ministry, but for a while, there were people that my dad was ministering to in the county jail. I honestly don't remember uh, who they were or how they were related to our church, but it would have been like a church member's family member or something. Anyway, I've spent a fair bit of time sitting with my mom and my brothers in prison waiting rooms <laughs> while my dad went and did the the ministering to people thing. And Agape felt very jail-like to me. The parts of the campus I saw, it felt like halfway between boarding school and jail. I mean, prison ministry is like a often a great service that churches can provide. Um, but like when it's the church that's doing the imprisoning, that's like it's like welcome to vertical integration hell. Well, the fundies really are about vertical integration. It's an interesting slight difference from cults that have say, a compound, like the Rajanishis, where they want to grow their own food, they want everybody to live on the compound and be completely cut off from the world, off-grid as much as possible, very self-reliant, they don't want to rely on outside infrastructure. It's slightly different from that, and it's also slightly different from the IBLP Vision Forum 200-year plan vibe. Because people like the IBLP and Vision Forum, that like a uh, super patriarchal fundamentalist groups. They want to actively work with the world and work within the world so that they can take over the world politically by force if necessary. The IFB sits in this weird place right between those two types of groups. They don't mind, depending on the outside world, for grocery stores, garbage pickup, water, electricity, medicine, and they're not extremely interested in Christianizing those industries. Like, if they had a chance to make every water and sewer provider in the United States, a Christian industry and run by the IFB and let them pray over everybody's water. If they had a chance, they'd take it, but they're not actively pursuing. <laughs> oh. They're not actively pursuing that the way that the IBLP or the vision forum would, if they had a chance. Oh, so if man. they, so if an IFB person, if they have an option to go to an IFB doctor over a non IFB doctor, they will, but if that option doesn't exist, they'll go to any doctor. However, when it comes to spiritual needs, the IFB wants to be a one-stop shop. So there's a church, but there's also a Christian school. There's programs for kids and teenagers and seniors. And if the church is big enough, there's probably a preschool and a daycare. And if those programs don't work on your kid, there's a place that you can send them for reindoctrination, for help, sorry, for help. So this vertical integration thing... Is this why the IFB is so adamant that abuse and other crimes or, or various legal matters are handled internally, that you, you never take it outside? I think this is a big part of it, and I'm going to see if I can explain this correctly. So the IFB, they trust the quote-unquote worldly garbage collectors to take out their garbage. They trust the worldly cashiers to stock and check out their groceries. As long as they can look down on those people for being sinful, they're happy with that. I think it's important to understanding the unique brand of IFB anti-government senti sentiment and anti-socialist sentiment in the IFB. The IFB, they do not acknowledge that the garbage collectors and waste management and road infrastructure, water infrastructure, power grid, supply chain, 
they do not acknowledge that all of those things are either part of the government or heavily managed by the government and regulated by the government. They think or they pretend, I'm really not sure which, that those things just kind of happen by themselves and they make out the government to be mostly just taxes, laws, the criminal system and the military. Well, in 2012, the IFB definitely trusted their worldly garbage collectors to take out their garbage because they reported Jack Scott to the police. <laughs> well, that was a real anomaly at the time. It was really surprising that they chose to do that. And I've always thought maybe it was because he was so powerful that the only way they could see to get rid of him was to actually turn him over to the authorities. I always have thought that was maybe more of a coup than anything. But to sew up what I was saying, the IFB don't trust the government, but they really just mean like the legal system and the juris, like the um, the legislative branch and the executive branch and the judicial branch. They don't really understand that a lot of our infrastructure is government related. So when they hate the government and don't trust the government, they're actually only talking about some of the things that the government does because they don't know everything the government does. Today we're talking we're talking about this agape boarding school, um, which is so it's it's a reform school. It's operated by the IFB. It's operated by um, it, it is an independent Baptist ministry that runs it. Um, it's in Missouri. Right. Yeah, Sadie, do you want to give us some background on the school and its history? Absolutely. So Agape is one of many Christian boarding schools that was started, inspired by Lester Roloff's homes. We have done a full episode on him, and we talked at length about how Lester Roloff had these homes always separate for girls and boys, and his homes were abusive and extremely intense from the start, but they became worse over time. Uh, Agape was founded in Washington State, actually, in the early 1990s, but then they... (laughs) I wasn't able to get the full story. Apparently, they were using a decommissioned military base that they may or may not have had permission to use from the government. (laughs) Um, What? It's a little fuzzy. But they moved to Stockton, California, and then pretty quickly picked up and moved again to Stockton, Missouri. Coincidence. Um, According to Agape, they moved to Missouri because they needed more space According to other sources, it was maybe because they had more legal leeway to abuse children in Missouri. I'll just let the listeners decide. So this is the boarding school was inspired by the roll-off homes. Right. So the abuse practices that are going on at the Agape boarding school are going to be directly influenced by the abuse practices that were going on at the roll-off homes up until they got shut down at the When did they get like in 2000 early 2000s, right? When they got it, shut down? It's been kind of one at a time over years, if I'm remembering yeah. correctly. Yeah. They had that, that legal case with George Bush. and There was and, a thing with George Bush. You'd have to go back and listen to the roll-off episode to get all the details. Yeah, all the details. But they're inspired by that. So it's the same sort of thing going on at both of these places. Right. It's, um, it's kind of a general guideline of this is the type of abuse that kids need to straighten up. So when we talked about Lester Roloff um, and his homes, his reform schools... The thing that the, the the abuse that I remember most specifically was reading the account that they would lock children in a room and have Lester Roloff's sermons 
playing mm-hmm. like from a record player playing 24 7 at loud volumes to prevent sleeping like this is honest to god cia black site techniques that yeah using just on these children. yeah actual psychological torture uh we know that roloff personally chose the homes like the homes that he founded when he was in leadership when he was personally running these homes he implemented abuse like beatings and like standing up against a wall for hours and hours and hours and things things in that vein we know that the people he personally chose to put into power continued his legacy and made things much much worse like having young women who came to the oh, uh, cw for um oh god birth, i remember this birth one. trauma and and newborn kidnapping and adoption and all of that but he would have young women who came to the troubled girls home while they were pregnant he would have them give birth in the back of a van so that their newborn could be handed directly to people who were going to pay him money to adopt the baby um we know that we know that these things happened at the roloff homes we know that some of the abuse roloff personally did we don't know whether Roloff personally did the abuse that happened after he was no longer the head guy in charge. Like, we don't know if the guy he put in charge kind of went rogue and did even worse abuse or if Roloff was like, heck yeah, keep doing that worse abuse. Anyway, I, I'm not the best person to make that call because I was indoctrinated to love Lester Roloff. So I have complicated emotions that get in the way of me being logical about this um needless to say the abuse was terrible and that is fact yeah i think it's good also that we're just getting out in front of it and stating like just from the beginning these homes were abusive they're they're horrible they're bad we're not going to build up to it because i think it's important to point out especially also with the roll-off homes or, or you know places like the agape boarding school like we're discussing today the abuse is the whole point of why these homes exist Mm -hmm. um it's why they do what they do. It's why you send a kid there. You send your kid there because you think that they need to be abused until their spirit will get broken. There is room for discussion on whether some of the people who run these homes truly believe that they are helping these kids and doing the right thing by abusing them. Actually, we're going to talk about this later, but I have acquaintances who worked at Agape And for a time, they truly believed that they were helping these kids and then only later realized, oh, this is actually abusive. I am not helping. I am way over my head and have to get out. So there is gray area on whether some of the people running these places have good intentions. There is zero gray area on whether what is done to these children in these places is abuse because it is, period. So that's kind of a one-size-fits-all method, isn't it, though? I don't know how universal this is, but for those of our listeners who have seen The Crown, you remember the boarding school that Charles went to in The Crown? It's not not like that, just also more abusive and a lot more jailish. So I want to talk through what would happen when a, when a young boy arrives at Agape Boarding School as a new student. So parents drop off their kid, or if the kid really doesn't want to go, they pay to have them kidnapped, which we will talk about later. The kid arrives and immediately has their head shaved and is put into a uniform. If they're being compliant, they will start at level one and be given an orange shirt for orientation. 
and a trusted older student to serve as their guide, like a buddy system. They must be no more than three feet from that buddy student at all times, which seems close. That seems like a lot. At literally all times. Yeah. Oh, mm. um, so if a student, and that's if they're being good, that's if they arrive and are like, yeah, I'll like play along with this. If a student is not being compliant, they may be demoted to a brown shirt, which is level zero. I'm reading this directly from Agape's 2020 parent handbook. Quote, Browns are promoted back to orange, yellow, or burgundy upon demonstration of compliance to school rules and norms. Given the duration of this status and its intense nature, this shirt should be difficult to earn in the progression of discipline. It includes a daily regimen of ex exercise, drill, and character training conducted by select staff members outside of the learning center. Extra effort is made to sequester these students as a group and focus on behavior modification and their walk with God. Browns do have student guides and are under the close supervision of select staff assigned on a daily and weekly basis. All meals are brought to Browns and are not to deviate from the menu below without express permission. So according to their own, that, and that's from their own website, their own student guide of what happens if you get demoted to Brown shirt. So in the early levels, uh, students start at either orange or brown depending on their behavior. And most students can move up a level every seven to 10 days. If a student has a disciplinary infraction, it adds more days before he can move up a level. So it starts with orientation, which is either yellow or brown, depending on how good you're being, then on level or orange or brown, depending on how good you're being. So level two is a yellow shirt level. Students have the buddy system who will teach them the, ro teach them the ropes. On level three, Students get a burgundy shirt, so roughly 21 to 35 days in, that is when the student does not need to use the buddy system anymore. This doesn't sound like too crazy, right? No. I mean, except for calling your shirts brown shirts because of the obvious like Nazi tie there, but I'm afraid that you're going to tell me something that is truly shocking. Yeah, I am. <laughs> so what? on level four, so 28 to 42 days roughly into being at Agape, assuming that you started off fairly compliant and haven't gotten into a whole lot of trouble, uh, that is when a student gains talking privileges and is allowed to speak to other students. 28 days. Minimum. 28 days minimum. Twenty, And you're not allowed to speak for the first four weeks. That you're there. Yeah, you can speak to staff if spoken to. Like, if a staff member asks you a question, you can speak. What? Yeah. Uh, I remember, actually, little bits and pieces of this from back in the day when I visited. I believe, and I was a little kid, so I may not be remembering correctly, but I believe I was told not to speak to any students. And now I feel like maybe that was because many of them would not have been allowed to speak to me. And they were just trying to like not make that so obvious for the visiting people. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. So if, if you had told me that I wasn't allowed to talk for 28 days, oh man, like I, I like that is psychologically abusive. That's dehumanizing. That's like for some people, I, I mean, I'm not going to speak for everybody, but for some people, that's enough to make you completely lose your sense of who you are as a person. That's 
Well, maybe that's the point. (laughs) So like even in the dorms, even at the end of the day, after you're done with everything, you can't just say, man, today was real tough. Like to your bunk. You can't, you can't do that. Yeah. Again, from the 2020 parent handbook, lights out is at 8 p.m. and wake up is at 6 a.m. And if you were still on those lower three levels, uh, even in the dorms, no talking to other students. Uh, A little tidbit from like pieces that I picked up from multiple sources. Students have to be supervised even in the bathroom. So staff members have shifts of staying in the dorms overnight to enforce the rooms uh, enforce the rules in the room and supervise any bathroom visits that need to happen. And so I have to point out, if there's a staff member, if your assigned staff member for your dorm overnight is there with good intentions and is thinking like they're still brainwashed, they think that this abuse is helping people, this is going to be a miserable but safe situation, right? You're going to go to bed. If you need the bathroom, you're going to ask the staff member, they are going to take you and stand outside the door and whatever. Like, it's a BS situation, but it's not unsafe. If there's a staff member who wants to make your life hell, however, he's going to deny people from going to the bathroom and then punish you if you can't hold it. If there's a staff member who wants to make your life hell, maybe he, quote unquote, falls asleep while the other kids beat the crap out of you. Or as in one case I read, encourages other kids to beat the crap out of you. Uh, Or if there is somebody there who wants to victimize people, there is a golden opportunity there. Right. And if you're the kind of person who goes to work there with good intentions, you don't know what what you're getting yourself into. You're going to be in for a rude awakening because the only people who will accept a job there and stay there are the people who are truly sadistic and who have a desire to be abusers and who get enjoyment out of being able to institutionally abuse people who can't defend themselves. Right. Because people who go there and I've listened to and read multiple testimonies from former staff, people who go there thinking that they are helping and doing the right thing, it can take a while for that realization to hit them, depending on how brainwashed they were going into it, that they are not really helping people the way they think they are and then they make a choice like am i going to stay and perpetuate this or am i going to get out at great personal cost speaking of people who are truly sadistic i want to jump back to something i was talking about a few minutes ago because uh, i read the quote from the agape handbook about the brown shirt level quote it includes a daily regimen of exercise drill and character training conducted by select staff members outside of the learning center Extra effort is made to sequester these students as a group and focus on behavior modification and their walk with God. And then the end of that quote, all meals are brought to Browns and are not to deviate from the menu below without express permission, blah, blah, blah. So this is where we get into the really heavy physical abuse in day-to-day life at the school. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. TW for whatever Sadie is about to say. It's pretty bad. Um so, and, and my sources for this are really mixed. So this is my personal knowledge, things that I saw, things that my family members saw, things that my dad saw on like future preaching trips and told me about survivor testimonies that I've been reading and listening to. These are some things that might be done to a brown shirt who they are trying to break this uh, quote, daily regimen of exercise, drill and character training. This is what it is. 
running or working out with a backpack full of sand or rocks, extreme workouts in heat with no rest, food, or water, digging holes, shoveling animal sh**, manual labor of many different kinds with way too little rest or water, tedious repetitive tasks like the old classic cleaning a toilet with a toothbrush, having someone yell directly in your face like a drill sergeant and not being allowed to react at all, like yelling in your face, but if you flinch, you get more punishment. I could probably do a list three times that long, but I feel like that's a decent start. Yeah, depriving people of water and making them exert themselves in in heat that you get in, we're we're in Missouri. Yeah, and and making them work that hard in heat and humidity that you get in Missouri, that's legitimately dangerous. That could actually result in serious injury or even brain damage if they get too dehydrated. Like if you get dehydrated enough, you can, that's an actual And Agape does not have a good track record of taking people to seek medical care when they need medical care, uh, nor of providing safe transportation to medical care, nor of choosing safe doctors, which we will get to. There are a lot of stories as well about this meals are brought to brown shirts thing. Agape in general serves extremely poor quality food. Their food safety practices are absolutely abysmal. Their nutrition is not up to par. And of course, it's like being in jail, but there's no commissary that I know of. And I have to imagine these poor teenage boys are just starving. Like nobody eats more than a teenage boy. A parent testimony I read talked about their young teenager. I think he was 14 at the time, losing a dangerous amount of weight in a very short time. Like how much? This particular kid was 14 years old and lost 50 pounds in four months. 50 pounds? Yeah. What? No, like he's 14? Yeah. 14. I think the mom said he went in at 185 and lost uh, nearly 50 pounds by the first visit, which is four months in. I mean, most kids don't even have 50 pounds to lose. Like how how, did did they say how tall he was? No, the mom didn't say. Okay, I mean, still, like, 185, if you're, like, six feet tall, 185 is, like, a, a, a regular-sized person. Yeah. Um, and then going down to, like, 130, man, that doesn't happen unless you're being subjected to literal starvation. That- this poor kid is one of the most tragic stories I have heard coming out of Agape. Um, and this kid was not did not even start as, like, your typical IFB kid. So his mom was desperate because the kid's dad died. The Mm. kid had Tourette's syndrome. Uh, The mom said Asperger's. I know that that is not a correct term, but that is the term that she used at the time of her interview a couple of years ago. And he had an anxiety disorder. And then on top of all of that, his dad died, which personal knowledge is hard. The mom felt like the kid was spiraling after his dad died, which, fair. She met with a recruiter from Agape who said that they would give him a structured environment and animal therapy because there are a lot of exotic animals on the Agape Ranch, which is true. Um, they they have alpacas and camels and stuff. But she they told her that it was animal therapy. I mean, I, the, the fact that this recruiter would say... Well, I guess Agape means love in Greek, in Greek yeah. right? Like. Mm-hmm. So the the fact the recruiter is going to say yes, your child needs compassion. So what we're going to do is just abuse them for a year. That's nuts. Uh, 
her son also said to circle back to the brown shirt meals yet again, uh, he said that his meal was soggy tortillas, like purposely served soggy on a wet plate with visibly moldy refried beans. And massive, massive trigger warning here for gross out vomit abuse. This is gross. It's very gross. But students were forced to eat this and you had to eat everything on your plate. And the kid in this story says, if you threw up, you were still forced to eat the rest of the food. And if you refused to eat it, it would be served for subsequent meals over and over and over until you finally ate it. I am, I'm like literally so angry right now. Like, I know you guys can't see me right now because it's over a microphone, but I am like, I'm legitimately shaking right now. I know like we've been doing this show for like two years and a lot of the things that like that, that got me at the beginning of the show, you know, when we first started, started doing it, they don't really phase me now, but this is, I'm just at a loss for words right now. This is really, I just, I want to express how bad this is. And I want to make it clear that I could do twice the length of this episode with more stories of abuse. But I feel like there, I don't want to glorify violence and glorify abuse. But I could go probably two hours minimum on just story, horrible, horrible stories on the same level. You should be shocked. You should be angry. Oh, God, I I hate this. This So I just I got a lot more. Um, I'm going to I think I'm like gagging in my. Yeah, Um, I'm not sure if this particular student, I know I mentioned that he had Tourette's and an anxiety disorder. Um, which are medicatable things. I'm not sure if he had medication denied him. I it didn't see it in the interview I read with his mother, but there are plenty of reports of Agape refusing to give medicine to students, especially those who have any kind of mental health medication, including ADHD medication and other things. So parents would provide medication when they drop their kid off, like he needs this twice a day, and the school would just not dispense it. <clears throat> How is that legal? Well, this is why they are hopefully getting shut down. One of many, many reasons why they are hopefully getting shut down. Agape materials claim that staff never physically touch children, but that is a lie. Staff do restrain students, and a lot of students talk about being restrained in a way that caused injury, being like being put in headlocks or being stood upon. James Clydent, who was a staff member in like 2014-ish, says that staff were trained in de-escalation and in proper restraint methods that don't cause injury. He also says that hardly any of the staff used these methods that they were trained in. So they received training in how not to hurt people when you do absolutely have to restrain somebody for their own safety. Now, this was on his Preacher Boys interview. If you put in Preacher Boys Agape in the podcast search, it's one of the first things that come up. I highly recommend it. Uh, James and I were, and his wife, Amanda, were all at Hiles Anderson together. They were a couple years ahead of me, but I'm like vaguely acquainted. I know them and I absolutely trust whatever they have to say about Agape. They are truthful. There is, so (laughs) this really frustrated me because Agape had outside experts, like real experts that work in juvenile detention systems, come in and show their staff how to restrain kids that are in danger of hurting themselves or other people in a way that will not harm their arms or shoulders or bodies or necks or whatever. 
And then staff members just continued using old harmful restraint methods because they could. That so it got covering their own ass. Right. So they get to claim our staff are trained in this, 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 and this and de-escalation techniques, and then nobody uses them. Ah, the classic Portland police Mm -hmm. special. (laughs) (laughs) So there is also speaking of police tactics. There is also one video that I have seen that shows a staff member dragging and kicking what appears to be a young child, no older than maybe 12 or 13. This poor kid was tiny. So they're not using beatings as punishments officially, though. Because it seems like beatings aren't punishment, but they have loopholes that they can use to get around that. Like they can... So there is a lie element and a loophole element here. So Agape says, we are completely hands-off. We don't use physical restraints. We never beat your children. All of that is a lie. Multiple former students claim that they were paddled in the office as a punishment. They also, also staff will just hit kids. Uh, They call it getting slammed. There is also lots and lots of general hitting and kicking that is not framed as a punishment. That's the loophole part. So it's more like, you're going to do 100 push-ups as a punishment. And while you do your punishment, I'm also going to kick or stomp on your back, which has caused um, permanent Ah. disc and nerve damage to former students. Or it'll be, okay, you're going to carry this heavy log back and forth across the football field 10 times, and that's your punishment. And also, I'm going to try to kick your knees out from under you while you do this punishment. Does that make sense? So the loophole part is like this. The kicking isn't your punishment. It's just bonus abuse on top of your punishment. Man. Okay. So the only reason why you're going to become a staff member at a place like this is if you are truly a sadistic stain and you get a kick out of engaging in violence and cruelty against people who are not allowed to fight back or who, who like physically can't fight back. Is there a sex offender registry type thing for people who aren't sex offenders, but who are just like violent psychopaths? You know what I'm saying? Like, so if you can know that somebody is a violent psychopath and they shouldn't be allowed near anybody's children. Yes. In Missouri, there is. We're going to get to that at the end because there are several staff members that have been charged with charges that would put them on the physical child abuse registry in Missouri. There is a huge gap between junior and senior staff. Junior staff has a ton of turnover because people like James are recruited from HAC or other similar places. They think they're going to go change kids' lives, and they're not the ones doing the bonus kicking and hitting because they don't see the reason to. They may be using restraints that they shouldn't be using, and then they wake up one day and they realize, like, oh, I should not be doing this. I am not doing a good thing. They may be administering types of abuse, and then one day they wake up and go, oh, shit, I am abusing these kids. I cannot be doing this any longer. But it it can take a short amount of time for it to dawn on a otherwise good person that this is not the job that they thought it was. When we get back from the break, we're going to talk about how I justify looking at this this way, because... Agape made it very difficult for people to leave once they were staff members. But I think it'll make a little more sense why I'm not completely condemning anyone who ever worked there when we get to that part. Agape boarding school. It is, in fact, a school, though. So how are they how are they educating the kids that are sent there? 
<laughs> You're gonna love this. Oh god. It's ACE. So they're just not educating them. Bingo. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So so how how much are parents pay how much are you paying to send your kid there? You're gonna love this too. Forty six thousand two hundred dollars per 40s? year. What? Mm-hmm. And they ask for it's by month, but they ask for a twelve month commitment. So the upfront like commitment price is forty six thousand two hundred dollars, as well as over two thousand dollars in startup costs for materials and uniforms and whatnot, plus God. any additional fees that they decide to tack on. Uh, for example, it's like a three thousand five hundred to five thousand dollar fee to kidnap your kid and bring them to Agape, depending on where your kid starts out getting 40, kidnapped from. Forty six thousand dollars. That's plus, yeah. That's more than I paid per year to go to private liberal arts school. Like mm-hmm. sticker price, not like after scholarships. That's nuts. That's, I mean, that's more money than a lot of people make in a year. Yeah. And they that's, don't even tell parents of prospective students that they use ACE. They, no, no. What? So the way their materials are written are so sneaky. I will link the parents guide that I found for you on the Wayback Machine because it's fascinating. And I'll link the Agape website too. And you should check it out. Because unless you already knew all about ACE, you would not know that that was what they were talking about. So the parent, they're of course they're asking about this. Like they're asking, how are you going to educate? Like what's the, kids? the curriculum? Yeah, and so they're going to say we have a highly structured environment, and most parents they hear that and they're going to think, oh well, there must be a focus on academic standards. But right, there no. is. Um, <sighs> There is an additional level. It's blue shirts. It's similar to brown shirts, but it's for kids who are behind academically as determined by the administration. So for the poor kids who can't hack ACE, possibly because they're being denied their ADHD meds or for any other valid reason, there's a punishment for that, too. Oh, God, what's this? It's they don't give details in the materials that i read but it's they say it's similar to brown shirt status um the only thing i found in the materials that they gave me was that they are banned from doing anything other than school until they catch up so it's school church sleep until they get caught up there's also just like extreme rules on when what parents can send and all mail is gone through with another completely illegal thing all mail is gone through by staff before students get it to make sure so they can censor it like writing letters to somebody who's in the military or in jail (laughs) approved items that parents can send it's a whole thing so if you write a letter and you and you're saying help, they made me eat uh, beans that had mold on them, and then when I threw up, they made me eat the beans anyway, and they kept serving it to me at my next meal and my next meal and my next meal after that. Now, yeah, that letter's not going to make it out. They're not. And there are it. once you earn talking privileges, there are specific times that you can call your family on the phone but all phone calls are monitored and there's no whispering nor speaking in another language while on the phone so you other can, than english you can't say oh they're uh they're torturing me here they literally beat the shit out of me because if you do that the call's just gonna like click yeah or some pr guy from administration is gonna come on and like tell convince your parents that you're lying because god is the devil is trying to get to you or something so, oh, man, I feel like an appropriate way to close up this section of maximum trauma before the offering would be with a couple quotes from survivors. And then I have a couple more I'll read at the end. 
So this quote is from Kevin Gregoris. After joining the army and going to combat, I have more PTSD from that school. And then this is this is interesting. This is not a quote from a survivor. This is a quote from a parent who sent their kid to this school and was happy enough with it to put a review, a positive review on their website. But I think it really says something. I asked what the success rate was at Agape, and the answer was, when a person gets their life right with God, spiritual, then the physical and mental sides will fall into place. Wait, so they're not That's not an answer. They answered a different question. Yeah. That's... They are not even giving success rates to these parents who intend to pay fifty to a hundred thousand dollars to send their kids there. So the success rates must be really bad. Last week, you talked about so you talked about how you were in good kid, yeah. like you sold out, bought into the whole IFB thing. But if you'd been caught kissing a boy, you would have been shipped off to the Hepzibah house, which is, I guess, the the female version of of yeah. of this. How, how many kids? are that are at agape are kids that are truly rebellious in the ifb sense like they truly just don't buy into it and are planning on going no contact as soon as they turn 18 and how many of them are like good kids who did one thing bad and they need to be fixed and who already repent but they need to deal with their internalized feeling that they have a sinful nature there's no way i could really guess at what the demographic is but i you do have the different types of kids they're pretty much right i can tell you that for sure and they'd be throwing like good church kids who made them who like kissed a boy or something or, or kissed a girl or something or, or like, either one at agape and they'd be throwing them in with kids who were involved in like legitimately anti-social behavior or, or who were expelled from public school and then got expelled from private school and then they're like okay well we're sending you to this uh hardcore christian reform school and they're going to be giving the same exact regimen to both of those kids. Right. So there are boys at Agape who really were in street gangs at home. Uh, there are boys who were struggling with actual drugs or actual alcohol abuse at a young age. And I don't mean kids who like tried to smoke a joint one time, although those kids also end up there. So the kids who the kids who had a actual alcohol addiction at 16 17 which do exist sometimes those kids end up at agape but so do the kids who drank one time or smoked a joint one time mm-hmm. and it, okay i don't feel that agape is going to be helpful for healing for anyone at all ever but it's clear that some of these kids that we were just talking about do need drastic help drastic intervention to give them a, a better chance at a great adulthood But there are people who are there for things that do need drastic intervention. They're just at the wrong place and getting the wrong kind of drastic intervention. But there are kids there probably for conversion therapy. One story I read was of a boy who was sent to Agape because he wanted to listen to Christian contemporary music and Southern gospel. And his parents thought it was evil and he wouldn't give it up. And they sent him to Agape to get tortured and and he actually ended up being a victim of sexual abuse as well. And there, and then there was like the one young kid that we were talking about earlier. He was there because he lost his dad and his mom was scammed. And that kid had was, Tourette's. Yeah. That kid, and so he ended up being a brown shirt because he couldn't like sit still or like. Probably. Oh, f- this place. Yeah. So like 
this place for everybody, right? Because yeah. this is not going to help the kids who got into substance abuse way too young and got in over their heads and need help. This is not going to help them. This is not going to help kids who got swept up in some kind of gang environment and got in trouble with the law or got in serious, serious trouble at school. This is not going to help them. But it's also, it's not going to help a kid who has medical problems and is grieving a major loss. And it's not going to help a kid who won't give up his Christian contemporary music CDs. This is not going to help anybody. It's just like different, it's different scales and different levels and different reasons. It is not going to help. And if you're like a teenager and you're like seriously using drugs and alcohol in in like a in a dangerous way, you got to look at, the first thing you got to look at is like what's going on at home. Yeah. Not like... And a, a residential program is not necessarily a bad idea, depending on the situation. But this... But this is Ooh. not that. This is not what is going to help. This is what is going to re-traumatize them. And I read a lot of stories of people who did end up addicted to some substance or another after leaving this place because it was so traumatic. So let's go take up the offering. We'll do a little reset. When we get back, we have plenty more to talk about. Okay. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Do you ever have difficulty getting in the right headspace? I know when I have tasks piling up, it's easy to become overwhelmed rather than think about my commitments methodically. When I'm stuck focusing on problems rather than solutions, therapy is a useful tool that has helped me break down what I need to accomplish into an achievable process. This has helped me become more productive and more successful. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. You can get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists at any time. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com Eden today and get 10% off your first month. That's Better H-E-L-P. Hey, Sadie here. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode 57. It's a primer episode for new listeners. That episode tells my personal story and gives you all the terms and information that you'll need to know going forward. Also, check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism, so that you can get the whole cult story. If you like our show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes, as well as other bonus content available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, that group is called Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. We are back from our break. We are talking about agape boarding school, which is not fun because it's all just violence and abuse and trauma. So... So, We have more trauma to talk about. We are going to get we're going to get through this. There is a strong potential for a happy ending at the end of this. I don't want to okay. oversell it, but things are going a good direction. So just wanted to boost you up with that mood mid episode here. I do want to get to the abuse that staff who were not at the top of the hierarchy faced at Agape. Before we do, I have one more important account of abuse that I want to share. TW, this one is the account of sexual abuse from several people. I'm cutting all details on this one because I don't find them necessary. I think it's just going to re-traumatize people. Agape, for years, partnered with a local doctor, David Smock. At least two students and probably many more were sexually abused by this doctor uh, while he was doing doctor stuff for Agape. A student named in one of dozens of lawsuits says that he was afraid to tell staff because he would just get into more trouble. And I do want to point out, speaking of him feeling like he would be in more trouble if he told, that agape certainly could be, and I'm sure it has been at some point used for conversion therapy. It isn't the main thing that they do, but I would be absolutely shocked if a portion of students there each year weren't there for conversion therapy reasons. Well, this is an environment that punishes people for speaking if you're like, mm-hmm. like if you're just getting So if you're there, it's assumed that there's something wrong with you, that you're lying, that you're untrustworthy, that you're there because you are a bad and immoral person and there's something wrong with you. And it's your word against the word of every adult around you who's just going to say, no, that kid is a bad kid. That kid is a liar. Right. And from the survivor accounts I've been reading and listening to this week, it seems like a student's word would never be believed if it contradicted a staff member's word. Even in the James Clyden's Preacher Boys interview, he says that staff were trained on how to write up incident reports in a way that makes the staff seem blameless no matter what. With the sexual abuse, if you're fundy enough to be sent to agape boarding school, any man that molests you... That's also homosexuality, and that's your fault. There is a story in Preacher Boys episode 59 about this, and this is this is awful, just giving people a minute in case they need to prepare or skip. Give me a minute. Yeah, they'll give you a deep breath. Um, so a mentally disabled kid was molested by an older kid. They were both students at Agape at the time. The older kid was sent away 
and the kid who was molested was blamed and punished for his quote-unquote sin. Oh my god, that's so just unjust. It is, but it's not surprising, right? Like, we know the IFB's record on abuse, and we know how they treat people who are abused. What is surprising to me is where the molester was shipped off to. God, where? Good old Hiles Anderson College, where we keep your daughters (sighs) safe. Man. Oh, God. Okay. Which makes me feel great Mm, as a former student there who was real innocent and gullible at the time. Like, holy (sighs) shit, I was in a nest of vipers. I mean, you, you... Granted, you you made it out with uh, significant brain damage, but <laughs> like, brain damage uh, two different ways. I still can't help but think all the bullets that you dodged when you were there, like also literal bullets that you dodged <laughs> when you were there when you were out yes. soul winning. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I I feel I feel like I'm okay to laugh about that because it's my story. It is sometimes quite surprising to me that I made it out of there alive. Yeah, man. Oh man, and, and this is a place. This place isn't set up to take care of somebody who's got uh, who has disabilities like that. They're just not. That's like, right. You shouldn't be sending them there to begin with. You just shouldn't. Well, man. if your if your kid is disabled, why would you send them to? I don't. I don't understand why they would be there in the in the first place. What? I think also the fundies get wrong. And I think a lot of people who aren't just fundies get this wrong about sexual violence and, and molestation. Also, it's not about attraction. It's never about attraction. It's not about being attracted to somebody. It's about power. It's about picking somebody who is weaker than you. And then you take away their right to say what they will and won't do with their body. And this is just proof with that. This like that this person, you know, is is picking on this disabled kid. This is a kid who can't, who like mm-hmm. physically isn't isn't able. Right, and then the fundy worldview emphasizes the weakness of people who are weak or they perceive to be weak, such as women and young children, and then it encourages women to appear as weak as possible on purpose. And it just when we say culture of abuse, this is kind of the foundation of that. Do you think that uh, do you think this ties in? With the Brian Save thing that you were talking about when we talked about Paul and Morgan a few weeks back, where he was talking about being most attracted to women who are in their most vulnerable states, like post childbirth. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I absolutely do. Because I, I think we are looking at a highly distilled version of a societal issue because there is there is a power imbalance in the world at large. Misogyny in the world is far from dead, although we have done a lot of work and we should be proud of our progress on that in the past few generations. But fundamentalism upholds and feeds that power imbalance and feeds misogyny through purity culture and through uh, patriarchy and a million other things. And it's not just the way that misogyny used to be. It's an even greater distilled version of that. Yeah, these these boarding schools, they, they, they always have such a huge problem with sexual violence because you have a group of people who are constantly dehumanized. And when I say boarding schools, I mean like these these reform schools is, is what I'm talking about. They're, they're, but these children are dehumanized. They have no power. They have no voice. They have no 
legitimate recourse for anything that anybody does to them and anybody who would willingly work in that environment is somebody who is comfortable having complete power over another person like that and so if you're a person who wants to be in that situation because you're not just comfortable having complete power over people but you're also seeking a situation where you can commit violence against somebody who is unable to fight back. Those same people are going to be the physically abusive people. And they're also going to be the sexual abusive people because it's the same thing. It's, it's the same sort of crime, right? Like in, in their head, the, the power that they get over somebody, it's the same sort of power. And there are accounts of staff sexual abuse and also just a lot going on between the students. That is, that higher up staff, the impression that I got was that higher up, higher up staff punish the victim when they want to, or if they don't want to, they just ignore the whole thing. Interesting. Huh? So it's, it's kind of a, it's another way that staff further exploits the students. Earlier. Um, I think you, you mentioned that Agape was recruiting kids out of Hiles Anderson, uh, to be staff members. And that they're going to be going there and working there without really knowing what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. So Agape employs from a couple of pools. One of those is former students. So once students have moved up through levels three, four, and five, the burgundy shirt levels, they can optionally try to move on to levels six, uh, six through nine or seven through nine, which are the leadership levels. The red shirt guys, they are the ones who are going to be the first pick for being the student guide for new students while they still have a buddy. They have additional responsibilities and they have additional privileges. They get to do things after lights out. Sometimes there are more activities and a little bit more freedom available for guys in that leadership level. Now, people who are in that level can still get demoted all the way to brown shirt if they mess up bad enough. So there's no security. There's no feeling of safety here. But some of these guys who do go all the way up to that leadership red shirt level, being the buddy for new students, all of that, some of them do go on to get hired by Agape as staff when they turn 18 or graduate. I heard in an interview that the pay for single staff back in the early 2000s was $200 a month. A month? Yeah. Uh, I don't have any data on what it is now, unfortunately. Pay is always done as gifts. So it's a ministry and you volunteer your time here. And then we give you a small stipend to thank you for all your volunteer work because it's extremely illegal to pay people that little. It's like Kent Hovind's status. The, yeah. It's just pay. <laughs> <laughs> this is very hell? Kent Hovind. The, this, is, this is what uh, Kent Hovind wishes he was. I hope not. I Really? Kent Hovind... I mean, I mean kind I guess, of like they, they make a lot of money and they're very famous and well-known and they have and like their own Ken, compound. Isn't that what Kent Hovind wants? That's true. And Kent Hovind is a violent abuser. So yeah. So it's on don't brand. Don't forget about that. Yeah. Oh man. There's no dinosaurs. There's no theme park, but. But there's but, a lot of exotic animals, <laughs> which Kent Hovind also has. Yeah. It's Ugh. similar. If Kent Hovind is Joe Exotic, then these people are that creepy guy doc antle with like all the girls and the doc antle oh yeah they just like have it a little better than hoven and they look a little bit nicer 
I'm trying to sorry, I'm trying to imagine going to the Agape boarding school, um, being literally tortured and then going back as a staff member. Cause that's what you're saying, is is that people yeah. go there and then they 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 hmm. I guess people who are physically abused or, or sexually abused, they'll often go back to their abusers to repeat the experience because their brain wants to normalize an event that was traumatic and psychologically devastating because if they can normalize it, then they can cope with it. Right. Which is why we do not victim blame victims who go back to their abusers or take multiple, multiple tries to escape. I think, uh, this is this is pulling a statistic fully out of my ass, so I may be completely wrong about this, but I believe the statistic is that it takes typically a domestic violence victim 12 attempts to leave before they are successful on average. And this is why we do not blame people for that. But also, if you're the one who's going back as a staff member, most likely it's because you're the kind of guy who really took all the IFB stuff to heart and enjoyed not the experience, but enjoyed having a strict schedule. I'm like that. I love a schedule. But the, this type of guy who goes back at st- as staff, he's probably the one who really bought into, like, this is the right thing to do mentality. So it's sold to them as your life was turned around. A- abusive partner tactic alert. You were in such mm-hmm. a bad place before we found you and fixed you. And you should be thankful to us for all. Look how much better off you are now. So you should now go help other people turn their lives around, too. In the interview I heard with the guy who went to school there and came back as a staff member, he said that was how it was sold to him. He also said that a lot of these guys have nowhere else to go. So it's kind of, okay, you turned 18, you graduated Agape boarding school, and now you don't know how to live without this structure. You don't really have a life t- a life plan, so you're either going to stay as staff or you're going to go to Hiles Anderson or you're just going to go into a trade job somewhere. So it makes sense maybe to stick with what's familiar, especially if you've been so acclimated to that structure that you're not sure how to live without it. Well, that's kind of how it works in prison a lot of times is that people get out of prison and they don't have the structure and then they're just like end up. Uh, uh, dealing with recidivism and it's just a, a cycle and a cycle and a cycle. Right. Oh, I, well, I don't expect that Agape is any good at teaching people to think independently or make life decisions for themselves. No, they're just like going to crush you. Like the, the kid that's going back, that's not going to be the kid that's there because they were doing like gang violence. It's going to be the kid that was there because they listened to gospel music and 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 uh, uh, contemporary Christian music and their parents said that it's got the devil in it. See, so, I think that's flipped, actually, because I think really? so the kid that was there because he was in a legitimately really bad situation, he, he is going to feel that his life is better at the end of his time at Agape than it was before because he's got a structure and he is forcibly kept away from the things that were toxic in his life and he's either i think going to get out and be like this is a waste of time and go do his own thing hopefully productive but maybe not maybe go right back into being in a bad place because he just had a up experience but also that kid on the other hand could look at and say well i'm a lot better off now than i was 2 or 3 years ago when i got to this place maybe there's something to this or like if if you're that kid and if you if you're involved in like violence outside then the violence that's inside maybe that's not so 
I, I don't want to say that you're used to it because this is like a different level. This is like legitimate torture, mm-hmm. but hmm. Yeah, the, I guess I'm sure the, oh. there are lots of people that would rather go to Agape than Juvie. And I'm sure there are lots I of people wouldn't. that would rather go to Juvie. I if you gave me a choice if I was looking down that barrel, I would go to I would pick Juvie any day. See, I would Never go to Agape because I know how to function in the IFB system. Yeah, but they, but what if you uh I don't know, what if you like fucked up or something and they made you a brown shirt and they made you eat the beans. I have I know how to function in IFB. So like have mental tricks for getting myself myself past traumatic things because I grew up IFB in a world of trauma. Hmm. <laughs> but you'll remember I think there are people that fully buy into things as a way to cope with abuse. You'll remember that I did this. I tried like mentally going all in as a way to cope with everything. I it yeah. didn't work for me, but it does work for a lot of people and for m- many people it works for a while. I don't know. If I went to Juvie, I'd probably make friends. That's yeah. kind of, I'm a, either that or I get my ass beat every day and I just be like, oh, that's <laughs> get out of it. No, if mm. I went to Agape, I would know that I wouldn't make friends because they don't let you talk to people. And I know that I would get my ass beat every day because that's what they do to people. So that's like one way that they tend to get new staff. The other place that they tend to get new staff is recently graduated Bible college students. So they will have them visit, come stay on campus for a week. And during the time that they have visitors, everyone is supposed to be on their best behavior. The dining hall will serve better food. No one's getting put in a headlock where other people can see them. The students are threatened into being on best behavior. And these people visiting who are prospective staff members have heard about Agape. And all they've ever heard is what a wonderful place it is and how much it helps troubled boys. So they visit and everything seems great. They're told what the pay is. And it's really low. It's really, really, really low. But they're sold this as you're sacrificing for Jesus and you're sacrificing to make a difference in these boys' lives. So they show up on campus to start working and they are required to live on campus. The staff trailers are really deficient. I've heard of mold issues and a lot of structural issues. The pay is so bad because rent for the trailer that you have to live in and food in the dining hall that you have to eat at is taken out of your pay. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Do they have to eat the same food as the prisoners? Yeah. So sickness runs rampant because they don't have proper cross-contamination prevention in the dining hall. So the people, the staff members and the students who are not brown shirts are not eating moldy beans because that's the punishment food. But the food is still seriously lacking. And they're also, they have to eat in the dining hall because it's part of the job to be in the dining hall to monitor the students because the students have 24-7 monitoring. I've eaten in this dining hall, which I feel like is a little creepy and interesting now. (laughs) I was just a little kid, so I don't remember if it was good or bad. I think we had some kind of Frito pie, Um, but that's all I really remember. I know we had Frito pie. But also, we were there on a preaching visit, so they may have been pulling out like the best food to impress the pastor from out of town. They didn't take your dad to the nicest restaurant in town and buy him a new suit? No, not at Agape. (laughs) You have to think uh, at at 46,000 a year if they have 150 students Agape is bringing in almost 7 million dollars a year in revenue. I triple checked that math because I thought surely it's 700,000 and surely I missed a decimal somewhere. Nope, it's 7 million 
And I've heard right now their attendance is really down. It's about 60 students. So 60 students times 46,000 is nearly 3 million in revenue a year. And back in the day, they averaged between 150 and 300 students, which would be 14 million (laughs) in today's money. But they don't have to pay taxes because it's technically a ministry. And they're not paying their staff much at all. So where is all the money going? (laughs) But they like to put up the front of being a ministry. So this is just from what I saw and what I experienced. And I was a little kid, but I was a little kid deeply entrenched in the IFB, and I was very observant. I think they pretend like it's all some kind of shoestring operation and they're just barely getting by as a front to make themselves look more legitimate as an IFB ministry. Just my opinion. Huh. And they're really raking it in. That's that's my take. Uh, staff wives. So speaking of, of staff exploitation. Staff wives are required to volunteer a minimum of 10 hours a week in the ministry. So they have the wives cleaning, cooking, volunteering in the nursery for church services. And you don't, if you're a staff wife, you don't get to choose when you volunteer or what you volunteer for. You're just assigned things. It's mandatory volunteerism. And the only way to get better assignments in your mandatory volunteerism is to have a perfect positive attitude all the time, and volunteer extra. If you volunteer extra for long enough and work your way up to a position of trust, then you can choose what you're going to do. But imagine getting your, you're getting married right out of Hiles Anderson and you go to work at Agape and you're living in a trailer and you're having to do all this work for no pay and you're having to eat at a dining hall. And your husband is gone all the time because he's working long hours. He's working overnights once in a while. You're surrounded by all of these other women who are also required to have this perfect positive attitude all the time. And if that attitude slips, you're going to get in trouble for hindering your husband's ministry. Do married couples get like their own room or their own trailer or? They do get their own trailer. So they have slightly more privacy than my neighbors. (laughs) Thank you all the Patreons from last week. But uh, married couples can get yelled at by senior staff if they are showing too much PDA in church because that is a temptation for all the boys. Okay. Well, how many of the okay? So, how many of these serious shortcomings are things that junior staff members would have been conditioned into accepting either by their upbringing or by their time at Hiles Anderson? I think that's got to be a major factor because you're told your whole life that you have to suffer for Jesus. And the more you're suffering and the better your attitude is while you're suffering, the happier God is with you. If you're an AFAB person, you're taught this unbreaking positive attitude and sweet spirit. Sorry to those I just triggered. And one of the only avenues for praise and recognition is being able to keep up this personality. And some of us were pretty good at it. And other people just weren't. And that doesn't make them bad people. But they got treated like they were bad people because they were just not quite as good of an actor as the rest of us were. And then you go to Hiles Anderson and you're trained to be a soldier for God and you live in decrepit dorms and you do long hours on the bus route and you learn to cope with physical exhaustion and poor nutrition and following rules. And then you get to Agape and you're living in decrepit trailers and dealing with poor nutrition and physical exhaustion and following rules. And for your 10 hours of mandatory volunteer time, you get a $100 check each month in your husband's name. 
in your husband's name. Yeah, so you can't even spend it. Well, you, I okay. mean, if he gives it to you, you can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, I think like culturally, and I have to keep remembering this, that uh, this is this is a group where if, if you say that you're going to do something, you can't just nope out of it if it gets tough. Right. Like, if you accept a job somewhere, you're going to work that job, even if you're sold a bill of goods, even if the recruiter just straight up lies to you in the interview and makes it seem different than it is. If you say, I'm going to do this job, then you still gave your word and you still have to do it or your word doesn't mean anything. And I have to keep culturally like remembering that that's the culture that this is. So I'm perfectly willing to villainize Brian and Kathy Clemenson, the owners of Agape. But there are a lot of staff members who show up brand new and they're possibly participating in behavior that we would see as abusive, but they they believe they're doing the right thing. And when they realize things are not right, they have a really difficult time leaving because Agape has made them financially dependent and stuck. I know James and his wife, Amanda, ended up having to give away or sell most of their possessions to get a moving van for what was left and get out of town. Completely, completely messed them up physical health and finances long-term took long-term recovery and james is now a pastor i believe that he is a compassionate person he and amanda have done a lot to try to atone for being part of the agape system in the past i think they've done a good job of that my opinion on whether they have properly atoned for being part of that system is not what matters What matters is the opinion of the survivors and specifically the people who were at Agape while they were on staff. Many of the students who were there while they were on staff have come to trust James and Amanda and thank them for what they're actively trying to do now to get Agape shut down. And that's why I feel comfortable trusting their story and because like I I have met these people. I think I was a bridesmaid in a wedding that Amanda was a bridesmaid in. Um, way back in the day, but I don't know these people well enough to say I trust them, but the students trust them with what they say about Agape, and that's why I'm comfortable promoting their story, believing their story. Also, if you're recruited to do something right out of college, what, you're 21, 22, 23, how old would they be now? They'd be in their 30s. Yeah, they're, they're I don't know their exact ages. They're a couple years older than me. Like, I mean, you can look back at things that you've done earlier in your life and you can be like, oh, that was not the best thing that I like. I'm a different person than I was then. You I know? mean, a lot of people end up in bad job situations that they got recruited for right out of college. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. Think, I've, I've heard. I think it's much more telling. What what do you do when you realize that it's bad and how do you atone for anyone that you hurt while you were in that scenario? Yeah. And, you know, if you really try to try to make it better. Um and if you, I mean, if you're brought up in this situation where you think that you're doing the right thing by going here, then and then you and then you leave, or or you you're basically forced to participate, and then you suddenly become the fall guy for the owners or management if there's ever a lawsuit or if there's criminal charges, and that's how they set these things up because you can have absentee owners, and then they can just say, well, actually, this was the guy that was. Yeah, and uh, boy, have there been lawsuits. <laughs> so that brings us, um, do you want to transition to the section of the episode where we talk about all of the legal action that is being taken against the Agape Boarding School by the state and by private individuals? 
Okay, so can you go through uh, the big current kidnapping lawsuit? Because there are many, many lawsuits right now, but this is the one that you looked really deep into. Yeah, so um, currently it's it's not a lot. It's actually criminal charges is what it is. In August of 2022, Agape Boarding School Dean Julio Sandoval and... Um, uh, Shauna Gaviola. Shauna is is the mother of a uh, of a young man. Sandoval and Gaviola were charged with violating an order of protection and aiding and abetting. So uh, uh, this order of protection was filed by Gaviola's son, whose name we are not sharing because he is underage. Uh, but he was an emancipated minor. He was living with a different family. And he had a domestic abuse restraining order against his own mother, uh, who is who is Gaviola. So Gaviola arranged for Sandoval and a transport team from the Agape boarding school to kidnap Gaviola's son from his home in uh, Fresno, California, and transport him in handcuffs to the Agape boarding school in Missouri. So across several states. Uh, in order to do this, they allegedly presented the adult with whom Gaviola's son was staying. Uh, they presented this adult with a falsified court order, um, but uh, uh, the the boy was not at home. Uh, he was out at a business somewhere, um, and they found him, handcuffed him, forced him into a car uh, uh, in public, and then forcibly transported him from Fresno to Missouri. That's terrifying. Yeah, they they basically they they grabbed a dude off the street, handcuffed him, and threw him in a car and drove him across several states. That's what they did. Uh, yeah, that sounds illegal. It's a, a truly heinous crime. Uh, the boy's father was eventually able to free him from the boarding school. So several several things here. First of all, there is a high degree to which abuse needs to be documented in order to get. In order for a minor to get one emancipated and two get a restraining order against his own mother, and that's the the big criminal charges that are in the news the most right now. There are also over twenty lawsuits ranging from sex abuse allegations to a just an entire pile of uh, assault and battery and physical abuse lawsuits of different kinds. Gaviola made a decision that she wanted to spend $50,000 to kidnap her own child and send him to an abusive reform school 2,000 miles away. Um, This is not a decision that somebody is going to come to on their own. This is not a decision that a reasonable person is going to come to without somebody like a pastor or another influential community member or like a recruiter or somebody like talking in their ear and saying, this is the best thing to do for your rebellious child. Like Sadie said last week that this isn't something you do until after you've run them through all of the SM Davis Saul family problems, DVDs like three times they don't take. Right. I think the important concept here is that fundamentalism institutionalizes child abuse. If you've watched the documentary, the way down, It is extremely disturbing, so please uh, take care of yourself. But people in that documentary talk about being coached on how to hit their children. The leadership at Remnant Fellowship 
gave parents tools and instructions on how to conduct abuse. Like, actually, you want to hit your child with this item, and here is the kind of markings that you want it to leave, because these markings will hurt enough, but also go Uh, away before CPS shows up. So the SM Davis DVDs are basically just about how to emotionally abuse your child until they obey you. And then a place like Agape is a place you send them if the emotional abuse doesn't take and you need like trained experts to physically abuse them until they obey you. Yeah, I think the the point I'm trying to make is that there is a program. There is it is ritualized. There's a set of protocols that instill child abuse as the norm. So you start with Jack Hiles, How to Rear Infants, or you start with The Pearls to Train Up a Child. Both of those books recommend hitting children almost... um prophylactically is that the right word preventative medicine but they they recommend hitting children in a preventative medicine sort of way from the time they can walk or even before they can walk both of those books state that it is important to break your child's spirit in the same sense that you break a young horse as early as possible preferably before the child is old enough to remember These books and other IFB parenting books go on to recommend frequent abuse throughout the kid's life when they do normal child things. So the pattern, the protocol, is that you establish power over your child when they're still a baby and you maintain and work to maintain that power throughout their childhood. And then a lot of people end up with kids like me, compliant kids who are 10, 11, 12 years old and already accomplished accomplished soul winners they haven't been beaten in years because they're so good and they they really follow every single rule because they're terrified. Um, they're very obedient, maybe occasional slip-ups, and those kids are ready to continue self-brainwashing. And the parents don't have to do very much to keep them in line because the self-brainwashing has been set in. On the other hand, there are kids who don't bend to this as easily. And then there's a protocol for the kids the protocol doesn't fit. Christian school, more involvement in the church, ship them off to summer camps, hope they catch that religious hysteria bug at the summer camp. And then if that doesn't work, you do the SM Davis thing. And then if that doesn't work, you threaten sending them to one of these abusive reform schools. And if that doesn't work, you ship them off. And you've been told that following this protocol is the only thing that works. And this is the last step of it. So in this criminal case, um, the mother, uh, Gaviola, is... I guess she's going to be super fundy to the point where she's doing these abusive Christian parenting techniques and abusing her kid bad enough that the boy is able to get a legal protection order against his own mother. So that's like a a very serious like they they don't just hand those out like candy. That's legitimately serious. This isn't like a CPS took my kids away because I was having trouble feeding them situation. This is uh, like a situation where Gaviola clearly feels that it is her child that is in need of correcting. But we don't know how like we don't know if if this is like a normal teenager who's a bit mouthy and isn't having any of this Christian fundy upright uh, like upbringing bullshit or if she's got a kid with more serious behavioral problems, but obviously this came to a head, he is able to get legally emancipated. So I guess he's probably able to show some degree of responsibility um, outside of, of his own mother. So I'm much more inclined to believe that he's like just a, a regular kid who doesn't, you know, want, want anything to do with this. So, so how my question though, is how does something like this go? Like, how does it get to this point? 
Because I would assume that she's not calling up the Agape boarding school by herself. She's getting a brochure from a pastor. He's making the contact with the recruiter and they're pitching the idea of the kidnap squad to her. So I think maybe a piece that you're missing here is that kidnapping is not an unusual method for fundamentalist parents to threaten or employ against their children. What? Really? It's not. A a huge number of unwilling conversion therapy stories start with a kid being grabbed in their bed in the middle of the night and thrown into a van. There are whole companies that parents pay to do this. That's horrifying. Mm -hmm. That's... Mm. Yeah. But if you if you read a lot of conversion therapy stories, a whole mess of them start like this. And so and so that's one thing. So this method, it's totally plausible that this mom had a friend who had a gay kid and sent their kid off to conversion therapy and the kid wouldn't go. So she had somebody kidnap the kid from their bed in the middle of the night. The other piece is that we don't know exactly how the mom was pitched this idea. So it could have been, it is It is totally possible that this mother is a monster and she knew that they were going to pick up her kid, have him handcuffed in a van for 27 hours and rough him up on the way into the van to kidnap, kidnap him. It is also totally possible that she was sold on this as, yes, please send your kid to Agape. I'll tell you what, we will come, if you can give us a few extra thousand dollars for gas money we will come pick your kid up and we'll provide safe transportation so that you can rest assured that he got here okay. So it uh-huh. is absolutely possible that she is a monster who did this on purpose, but it is also possible that she did not know the methods that they would use to pick him up. Or maybe she thought that they would handcuff him like for the first hour and then take off the handcuffs. There are a lot of different possibilities here. She's paying $50,000 though. That's- she, but... She might not have known. Like, there are lots of parents who do not know the extent of what goes on at Agape. I mean, can you imagine if a parent reads the rule book and then just believes it? I mean, obviously, she's rough enough. She's been rough enough in the past with her son that he has a legal protection order against her. He's legally emancipated. That's a high bar. The th- The other thing is they had to falsify a court document to... Mm-hmm. To do this. So I, I don't know if she had to like falsify a signature on something to get this yeah, to happen. Did the mom make the fake document or did the people from Agape? Right. That's the that's the question that I've that I've got about this. Mm-hmm. Because he if he's legally emancipated, then what's then then she knows that she doesn't have power over him anymore. Legally, she's got to know that she doesn't have power over him anymore. So she's got to to, to so the people that are in charge they've got to be like no look we can still get him mm-hmm. and we'll have to forcibly like take him because other like they don't like if you don't because because you know if if you're the parent of a minor then you can i guess legally do this to your kid uh somehow i don't know for how the you, time being like, yeah they if that's legal they need to change that like post haste uh I'm, I'm just, I'm just the logistics of this. This is where it seems kind of bull to me that she could be blameless in this situation. Oh, no, I wouldn't at all think that she's blameless. Uh, I just think that I think that there is 
a possibility for her to be just as monstrous as Agape is, or there's a possibility for her to be only slightly less monstrous than them. I guess that makes sense. But she's far from the only parent who has had their kid kidnapped and handcuffed to try to fix them. This happens all the time. Yeah. Unfortunately. I mean, I think you've heard it all. Like, I, I, sometimes the things that we talk about on this podcast just like they can still surprise me and not well, that's good. good it's good that you can still be surprised though you don't want to get you do not want to get so jaded to this stuff that it that it they can't emotionally affect you anymore yeah that's kind of also why i try not to um re- like when if like i don't I, I try not to read about other cults or or like religious fundamentalism or religious abuse or something like that unless it's in preparation for an episode because I know that if I read about it a bunch or if I listen to a bunch of podcasts about it, then I'm going to become jaded and I'm mm-hmm. not going to be able to like honestly it, – it's going to color the way that I, I, I feel when I talk about it on here. Mm-hmm. So and, and this is also why I'm very selective about what kind of true crime content I listen to. So with all these lawsuits popping up, there has been talk of Agape being shut down by the Missouri Department of Social Services for years. There's been a lot of back and forth very recently. This has been a thing for years, but now it seems like there's finally progress being made. In September of 2022, there has been back and forth progress. (laughs) So at one point in September, a judge ruled that students should be removed from the property immediately while these charges are being brought. So there's the criminal charge for kidnapping. There are, I think, five other criminal charges for physical abuse. And then there are over 20 civil lawsuits. So at one point, a judge said you have to shut it down pending these court cases. And then the judge quickly backtracked on that, which is unfortunate and suspicious. A recently, a bipartisan group of Missouri legislature, legislators called for the school to be set, shut down, but it certainly looks like there's a lot going on behind the scenes that is allowing the school to stay open. Who knows? By the time this episode drops, this could have changed multiple times again, because the last couple weeks, it has been almost daily back and forth and new news coming out of this. Yeah, I know. It's like every day I read, oh, they're shutting it down. Oh, they're not shutting it down. They're delaying mm-hmm. the shutdown. Like... I like I honest I don't know how this place has stayed open this long with all these people coming out and saying all the stuff that goes on there. It's like so at yeah. the time of recording in early October, as it stands today, the day that we're recording, uh, Agape is open with oversight from the Missouri Department of Social Services. Hey, I'm hoping by the time this episode comes out, it'll be shut down for good. That would be wonderful. If it's shut down, then. Uh, I'm gonna. I don't know. I'll, I'll. I'll buy you a bottle of champagne, Sadie. That's what I'll do. California champagne, not the real stuff. Okay. Well, that's. I don't think I've ever had the real stuff. Doesn't Never. matter to me. Probably not. Or you know what I'll do? I'll buy you a bottle of Gavi de Gavi. Oh, that sounds great. That sounds it's fantastic. Actually, you like white wine? Oh, pretty it's, much like all wine. Yeah, I mean, but like white wine doesn't make you sleepy. So. Right. I mean, Gavi de Gavi, it's a great wine. It's delicious. Highly recommend it. It's got my name on it. If you're ever looking at, <laughs> at if you're ever at the wine store, go to Whites from Northern Italy, Gavi de Gavi. Anything that says that on it, it's going to be solid. Well, thanks for the recommendation. Yeah. 
It's so been I a can't... late at night. I'm sorry. This is a heavy episode. I've got to add some levity to it. I'm sorry. No, it's it, okay. It seems unserious. It, it just makes me feel like I feel so fucking unfocused whenever we talk about this abuse. Shit. It's it well, really we're almost we're almost done. With my brain so bad, dude. It uh, is so interesting how we have a very different reaction because I was yeah. raised in systemic abuse. And it wasn't as severe as what we see at Agape by any means. But like I, the idea of an entire system that is abusive to almost everyone in it, except for the people at the very top, and the idea that people can navigate that system and succeed to navigate it or fail to navigate it and be punished is so natural to me. Not that yeah. I like it, not that I enjoy it or support it, fully understand how miserable it is. But just like that, the idea of all of that, this is why Handmaid's Tale is comfort TV for me. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, a system where all women are at the bottom and then all men are higher up, but some men are still at the bottom of the men. Okay, well, this makes sense. Yeah. That's a truly insane thing to say that Handmaid's Tale is comfort TV. That's It, uh, it is. I think in the piece I wrote for the Patreon, I described it as sinking into a well-worn armchair. <laughs> that's... <sighs> bonkers dude no man no i i can't so i can't say what is causing all this back and forth on agape getting shut down or not you might be interested to know on an unrelated note that there had been pictures of the governor of missouri posing with agape leadership but that's completely Mm. unrelated so there are currently over 20 lawsuits dss investigations ongoing about five current staff who have been charged with some form of abuse. I say about five because the school has predictably been shady about which of these people are technically on staff and which are technically just living on our campus because they were fired. And they're definitely not still working at our school as volunteers. The the uh, doctor who sexually abused students uh, is in prison at this point, I believe. So it's just a whole mess. Yeah, it's just, it's it's times like these when I wish that the Jews actually had a space laser so that we could just burn this f***ing place off the face of the earth. I, I fully agree. Yeah. I've included a change.org petition in the show notes. It has almost 5,000 signatures. I'm sure we have some listeners who would be interested in signing that in support of shutting down the school. The Missouri Attorney General is really going after them. He wants it shut down. It seems like the Cedar County prosecutor, Ty Gaither, is one of the people who is working to keep it open. I mean, they've got to be paying somebody off after all these. Like, I don't know how they would be not doing that. Like, I don't want to. I don't just want this place shut down. I want all the people in charge of it in prison and never allowed to be any like near any young person or child ever like the sex offender registry, but for like all the kinds of abusers, like they need a psychopath registry. Missouri has that. They have a registry for a child abuse that it includes abuse other than sex crimes. Just as a side note, reading Ben Williams post over on path to freedom. He is the son of the man who ran the Hepzibah house for years and years and years. And he talked extensively about his father having a business relationship with the county sheriff's office and other law enforcement law quote-unquote enforcement uh type people and i know that jack scott had a little sweetheart deal with the fire chief <laughs> to allow hiles anderson to stay open so 
local government corruption and the IFB tend to go hand in hand. I don't know what's going on here, but I know what I think is going on here with Agape. In good news, the owners of Agape's sister school, Circle of Hope Girls Ranch, are currently facing a combined 99 charges of um, child abuse and neglect. 99. Yeah. And uh, Circle of Hope has been completely shut down since 2020. Uh, They were featured on... I don't think it was 60 Minutes. It was that other there was that other TV show that investigates things. Um, Dateline. It might have been on Dateline. But Boyd and Stephanie Householder are going to have a trial for that. Their daughter, Amanda Householder, she has a TikTok. She has been on national TV. She has been on Preacher Boys. She has a lot to say. Definitely check her out if you want to find more about Circle of Hope. Um, but they're, they're shut down. They've been shut down. And they were... Uh, the sister school to Agape. So there is absolutely hope here. So in conclusion, Vladimir Putin, Kim Jong-un, Ayatollah Khamenei, if any of you guys are listening and any of you guys want to nuke the Agape boarding school, uh, we you can have that one on the house called a freebie promise. We won't retaliate. That's. I mean, we got to get the kids out first. Yeah, get the kids out first. And just like, I mean, shh. So I feel like our listeners know by this point that I always feel a really heavy sense of responsibility when I'm covering a story that is not my story. If I'm telling, I this was really hard for the FLDS episode because I know we have former FLDS listeners and I was so nervous. I just wanted to do right by your story. And if you survived a copy boarding school or something similar, I wanted to do right by your story. So if it's okay with you, Gavi, can we close this one out by reading a few more quotes from survivors? Go for it. Okay. I have three more. So the first one is from a Yelp user going by Jimmy G. I've had countless friends from the school that have committed suicide, turned to drugs, and just hate God altogether because of what happens at Agape. An anonymous blog commenter says, still have nightmares of this place, 1997 to 1998. And then... This one I thought was a good one to end on. This is a blog commenter going by the name of Austin commenting in 2018. If I have the world's worst kids, I'll have better results in improved behavior and lifestyles by leaving them stranded in the Bay Area in Cali than sending them to Agape. If you'd like to read more survivor testimony, the Yelp page for Agape is just hundreds of stories, as well as the Hammer podcast. In addition to the two Preacher Boys episodes that we mentioned, there is plenty out there for you to check out. And remember to always um, do your best to amplify the survivors' voices and listen to the people who went through this when you can. Thanks so much for tuning in. Also, I want to say I'm sorry for all of my terrible jokes that I made throughout this episode, because that's the only way that I can cope with talking about terrible stuff like this. I think people I think people need that. And I think you have a good sense of like where to poke fun next week. (laughs) Next week, we get to laugh a lot about trauma. Yeah, that's true. Next week, next week's episode uh is not abuse heavy unless you're triggered by bad movies. So uh, it's we're, we're beginning our spooky Halloween content. Nice. <laughs> yeah. We have a, a terrible movie that Sadie and I have both watched called The Burning Hell, which is available on YouTube. Go look it up. It's like, it, it's only like an hour long. So it's not like you're watching a whole movie. It's like, 
It, it, and just like for people, for people who did grow up uh, evangelical or IFB, I watched it. There were a lot of triggering topics covered, but I watched it and I was fine. I had a couple little minutes of like, ooh, that got me, but not bad. I, I would rate it like a four out of ten triggering. There's, there's definitely, um, it's definitely a minefield, but it's a pretty mild minefield, and there's a lot to laugh at. The production is bad enough that, like, you know, <laughs> the production is bad enough that if it triggers you, there will be something five minutes later to laugh at, and you'll probably be okay. As always, use your best judgment. That, but that's my take for anybody who wants to watch it before next week's episode. <laughs> Yeah, and so next week, next week uh, episode is the 20, uh, 24th of October is the episode about the burning hell. 31st of October, which is Halloween itself. We're talking- Satan's birthday. Satan's birthday. We're talking exorcisms, baby. And not the exorcist movie like we did the homework episode two years ago. I can't believe that was two years ago. But we're talking about- exorcisms we're gonna watch some exorcism videos we're gonna talk about uh what what's that dude's name bob um, larson who bob i larson. have been plotting to make you watch for literally two years i am so excited <laughs> i'm excited for it too so he goes around the country he's got his squad of young women who do exorcisms on people and and uh, uh hits you on the head with a bible and like knock the demons out of you uh his exorcism uh, videos are amazing <laughs> Yeah, I've I've actually I've seen it. This this is incredible. I'm really excited for this. And then after that, this is the one that I am so f-ing excited for. I can't even believe that I'm that this is happening. Uh, a list recently, a listener got in touch with us and told us that they figured out who Paul Sand was. So Maybe. we're we'll talk about it. we're we're looking into it. So that's our plan going forward. Uh, so tune in for those. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, listen next week we're gonna have some fun stuff for you uh and uh take care of yourselves after listening to this horrible uh abuse heavy episode um but we hope that you guys liked it um if you like our show if you're a fan of our show you can follow us on social media uh facebook and instagram is at leaving eden podcast twitter is at leaving eden pod we've got a Patreon that you can subscribe to for a very extended version of today's episode that should be kind of fun where we talk about some that is completely and wholly unrelated to the topic of this episode. But you might like to hear our, our thoughts on it um, and just some random stories that we got into talking about that weren't related to this episode at all. You can join our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash Eden Exodus. You can join our subreddit, which is reddit.com slash r slash Eden Exodus. Sadie. You want to plug your social media? Sure. You can follow me on Twitter at Hell yes Sadie. You can follow me on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music and on TikTok, where I will one day make a video again at Sadie Carpenter One. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at G-A-V-R-I-E-L-H-A-C-O-H-E-N. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Uh, you guys have a happy Halloween. Happy October. Happy fall. Bye-bye. But oh-
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.